0: Welcome, this talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org.
1: Waking up to awareness, that part of you that knows that you're alive and breathing. So as you wake up to this awareness, wake up to the fact that it is non-judgmental. It just is as it is. And so looking, this non judgmental awareness, what's arising for you in the moment. We could take sound, as uh, there's an outside sound we could pay attention to. and noticing the variety of sounds available to this awareness. Simply watching as they come and go Letting everything in, letting everything out, and it's not good, not bad. when the mind wanders, which it will, simply bringing it back to awareness of sound. And next, taking that same non-judgmental awareness. That's aware of sound and directing it to the body. Letting sound move into the background. It will obviously arise in your awareness as well. That's okay. Let's see if you can tune into a contact point of the body. That's arising here and now in the moment. Your feet on the floor, your butt on the cushion. Now when the mind wanders, which it will, with non-judgment and kindness, coming back to the body, to the sensations coming and going. You can notice that some of the sensations that you find in the body are caused by the movement of breath as the body breathes itself. You can notice this in the abdomen, in the chest, in the nose, if you're breathing through the nose. See what sensations caused by the movement of breath are the most available to you. And you can just settle the mind there. Noticing the rise and fall of the abdomen. Or the slight coolness as the breath meets the body on the inhalation as it passes through the soft tissue of the nose. part of the practice, you are turning up the volume if need be on your effort. This is the shamatha, the concentration part, holding the mind down on an object. It might be helpful for you to just take one breath at a time, one inhalation one exhalation And now relax your concentration on body sensation just for a few moments. And just simply be aware of awareness. (laughs) Also remembering there's no such thing as distraction when we're practicing awareness training. This is so because we're becoming aware of awareness itself. It doesn't matter what. Aware of sound, aware of body, aware of breath. you can simply relax in openness, holding on to awareness, watching sensations, sounds, thoughts, emotions, watching it all come and go, letting everything in, letting everything out. Just like watching a river pass by, watching the moment with all its richness, fullness, Allowing it all to appear. Abide for a moment and fade away. Just resting here. Now you could stay here and just being aware of awareness. If you would like a more tangible, a stronger anchor, simply move back to the breath. Back into the body. Where is your mind? And if it has wandered with kindness, bringing it back. And do your best to stay here. It may or may not feel like a long time, but it's very, very rare that we're actually here. The mind will want to think, fantasize, grasp, come back to whatever's happening here in the moment. Your awareness is here in the moment. Your breath is here. returning and staying bell here in a moment, and just hold on to that sound all the way to the end until you can no longer hear it. Alright, welcome everybody. This is Inside LA, Long Beach, Sunday Sit. Uh, My name is Casey. So today, I want us to chat about, and maybe work with the teachings of a great Tibetan master, Ergen Rinpoche. And he was known for clarifying some of the more confusing topics, so I thought we'd work with clarification of some topics that maybe are sometimes a little bit more difficult. And I selected a few. Uh, One is this idea of view, or right view, especially from the Dzogchen perception. The other one is Vipassana versus shamatha, And the third one is Conduct versus View. And for those of you that are not familiar with any of those concepts, don't worry about it. We will impact this. Um, And there's no, you know, in these teachings, there's no such thing as like beginning teachings and advanced teachings. But these are advanced teachings. Mm -hmm. Joking. (laughs) But kind of. (laughs) it's interesting because I would say that they're taught at the end usually and they're taught at the end not because they're difficult but because they're too simple these teachings are so simple we can't see it we can't kind of grasp it because what we're grasping is non-grasping mind. This is what we're, they're pointing to. So it's something so simple that we really, we'd love if, if I gave you a very intricate practice with lots of steps, but they're very tangible and you could follow them one by one, step by step. You know, this is very easy. But if I say something like just be That's confusing. (laughs) How? You know, here's Sue over here. If I tell Sue, be Sue. (laughs) There's some aspect of that that's kind of confusing. So, Rinpoche, he was a, like I mentioned, he was a Tibetan master. He was from the Nyingma tradition, which means old, old school. The Nyingma tradition was the first tradition started the first time that Buddhism was brought by a being called Guru Rinpoche brought Buddhism to Tibet and they started the Nyingma school. So he was from this school. There's four major schools of Tibetan Buddhism and so Ergen Rinpoche was from this school. Many of you are familiar maybe with Sokni Rinpoche and Minga Rinpoche. Well, Ergen Rinpoche is their father. So, Soaking Rinpoche comes quite often to, inside L.A. in Santa Monica. And Minga Rinpoche is one of my, um, like that's a nice sound. What did he <laughs> hit over there? <laughs> oh, you actually hit that with your finger, that's cool. And Minga Rinpoche is one of my, one of my teachers and what made him unique is that he took these really esoteric teachings and he brought him to the to the west he was born in 1920 he died in 1996 and he brought him to the west and he was also highly studied by um, neuroscientists so he was one of the first lamas that was highly highly studied from neuroscientists and if you listen to Sokni Rinpoche and Ming Rinpoche talk they talk a lot about science it's because they grew up with Scientists in the house <laughs> studying their dad, you know. Because Ergen Ripershey spent, they said, about 20 years in silent retreat just in meditation. He spent about 20 years of his life off and on. He was always going back into retreat, which annoyed everybody because they're like, teach, teach. And he's like, I'm out, you know, I'm out. I'm going to go, I'm going to go just study. And he was always so humble. Like even like these these amazing teachings that he was giving that were obviously coming from a place of a being that is experiencing experiencing this firsthand. He was always so humble. He'd always say like this isn't me. I I don't know. But this is what all the teachers say. It's like this, you know. But he was amazing. So I'm going to tackle maybe the more difficult one first. So this is The proper view. So in this Dzogchen teaching, we have the view, the conduct, or view, meditation, conduct. View, meditation, and conduct. And then the final piece is the fruit. This is like the fruit of realization. So the view, the meditation, the conduct. And then we have realization. So the view is... Where, we're, where are we going? The view is also where we're going, and it's also the end. Right view would be like ultimate truth, ultimate reality. So in ultimate reality, it's not a problem that the dog is barking. It's no problem. In dualistic understanding, there could be dog barking is bad. I'm trying to listen to the talk. So that would be dualistic, right? Good and bad. Ultimate reality sound is a vibration of energy and the sound of my voice and actually the sound of the dog barking equal. Right? In ultimate truth. Right? So this is right view, and also as we'll get into it, this is like more the conduct too. Conduct is in duality. Right view is in ultimate reality. They call this pointing out, like in Dzogchen, the pointing out of the dharmakaya, the truth kaya. So like the truth, the kayas are like realms of uh, awareness, the dharma means truth, obviously truth kaya. So the dharmakaya pointing out this really pure truth beyond concept, beyond belief, beyond any overlays, beyond mind imputing on top of anything at all, just the essence of our being. It's so simple. They have a really hard time pointing this out to us. yeah. We're going to start here and I'm going to read this. I'm going to read the words of Ergen Rinpoche <coughs> talking about right view and the important part to realize is that we come to this understanding most of the time very slowly. So if you hear these words and it, and it seems very abstract, doesn't matter. In fact, don't even listen. Don't even listen with your mind. Listen with the totality of your being. Just let it resonate, like let it reverberate, like just drop it into your awareness and just let it just kind of hang out there. Don't try to figure anything out. Yeah, if we could figure this out, it would be of mind it would be another mental construct, be another mental thing. We're looking for the basis that things arise from. Okay? So just kinda just let this just fall into your awareness. Okay. You could even close your eyes if you want. I'm gonna go slowly. It's, it's a little, it's like a page long We'll take our time with it. Clear seeing. Vipassana. So Vipassana, vipassana, we know it here as insight. It means clear seeing. This is another word for it. Is your empty cognizance, your naked awareness beyond waxing and waning? This sentence has incredible meaning. In Dzogchen it refers to the true recognition of Rigpa, Rigpa Rigpa's abiding in your natural state. This is when the real is recognized. It can be called many things, but in short it is seen of mind's essence simultaneously with looking. It is seen the moment you look, free the moment it's seen. There's not a single thought that can stick to this state. However, after a bit of time, you discover that you are looking at something seen. That is, when thought has arrived, then you need to apply re mindfulness. And once again, immediately, the looker is dropped. Relaxed and uncontrived naturalness. When remaining without doing anything whatsoever, there is total letting go. In the same moment, there is also a sense of being wide awake. There is an awake quality that is unproduced. Simultaneous with the disappearance of thought, there is an awake quality that is like the radiant flame of a candle, which exists all by itself. That awake quality doesn't need to be supported through meditation, because it is not something that is cultivated. Since its recognition only lasts for a short while, it is necessary to remind yourself again. But honestly, how far away is it to get to that moment? When you put your finger out in the air to touch space, how far do you need to move your hand forward before you connect with space? In the same way, the very moment you recognize mind essence, it is seen. the very moment you look. It is not something that at some later point you will see or that you have to continuously look, look, look for. There are not two different things going on here. The recognition of emptiness is accomplished the moment that you look. Seeing no thing is the supreme sight. When seeing emptiness, you don't need to do anything whatsoever. The key word here is uncontrived, which means you don't have to alter it in any way. Just leave it as it naturally is. At that moment, you are totally out of a job. There is nothing you need to do. In other words, no act of meditating is necessary at this point. That is what I meant by don't meditate. Because at the moment, whatever you do to try to keep or prolong this natural state only envelops it in more activity and complexity. Which is not really what you need. We have been doing that, non-stop anyway, for countless lifetimes. Alrighty. What the heck was that? (laughs) What did he mean? Right view. I am no Ergen Rinpoche. So I will do my best to clarify this from the understanding that I have from my teachers that have that I have sat with of clarifying this. I call this clarifying the natural state. The very moment like we did in this meditation today, the very moment we all did this, we noticed that we we're away from an object. We took different objects, yeah? We took body, we took sound, whatnot. We noticed that we were away and then we did what? We came back. So this practice of, this is like minding the mind. The very moment that you woke up, that you were away, you were a Buddha in that moment. That which woke up is what he's talking about. The very moment you see, the very moment you recognize like this, then you're free. So now you're minding the mind. So in before, there was dualistic. There was a meditator meditating. There was subject-object. There was me and there was thoughts. Yeah? There's returning and staying, coming and going, all those things. But the very moment you recognize, the very moment you wake up, that wakefulness, is that wakefulness itself grasping for anything at all? The grasping for anything do no. you know what I mean by this mm-hmm. So the just just the awareness that which is aware of. So the knower is the knower grasping for anything at all no So in this in this simplicity it's almost like we, we jump out of this every moment right So we have awareness and then we have the contents in awareness and we jump out of awareness into the contents. does that make sense? So thought is arising in awareness, emotions arising in awareness, body sensations, sound is arising in the awareness. So in this Rinpoche is coming back to the knower of all those things. So you notice that it's uncontrived, check in with your awareness, is it there? Is your awareness there when you check in? Did you do anything to make it there? Are you doing anything to sustain it? Now, you're doing something to sustain your awareness of it, but it is it is moving along all on its own, yeah? Mm-hmm. Right? So the inst- instruction here is do not meditate, but do not become distracted, right? Because as soon as we meditate, then we're trying to cultivate something, but it's already there. There's nothing to cultivate. It's something to recognize. Yeah? You see, so in that recognition, we want to look into. Next is vipassana. So this is the concentration piece. I'm sorry, this is the insight there. Hold on just one second. Okay, we can go a little bit into that. So it's this space that we would like to investigate, we want to marinate in, yeah? Does everybody know anger? Yeah? Does anyone know sadness here? How about worry? How about joy? How about love? But what do we know about the knower of all of those things? Those things are impermanent coming and going. So it's like we're on a roller coaster if we hang out with those all the time, yeah? When things are good, we're good, if things are bad, we're, we're bad, you know, things like this. So Vipassana, which means insight, Vipassana or insight is insight to the wisdom of emptiness. All of those things are empty, of inherent nature, right? Ergen Rinpoche says, "How do you know things are empty? So these are appearing, but they're not solid from their own side. You know, they're 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 appearing, but they're like in a almost like in a dreamlike way. They're not permanently existing. Like awareness is permanently existing, but we could burn the table, and it'll be no table, ash, just gone. Yeah." So we won't get into like a big emptiness talk, but um but we can look at the qualities of this awareness. So sometimes I do this is awareness is it um is it narrow or is it vast? Vast.
0: Yes.
1: Vast. Can you find the end of your awareness? No. Is it patient, or is it in a hurry, this awareness? Patient. You can buy popcorn style. Patient. Patient, yeah. Is it, um, like I mentioned this one before, but is it in need of something to be content? Does it need something added to itself? Is it gentle or is it forceful? Yeah. Is it calm or is it agitated? Oh. Calm. Calm. Is, um, is it dull or is it bright?
0: Right. Bright. Bright.
1: So how many of these qualities do we long for? Like all of them. Yeah? But in just a few moments we recognize they're abiding effortlessly and uncontrived without doing anything at all the moment we look. Yet we grasp outside of ourselves to get those things that are inside all the time. (laughs) Like as soon as we leave here, like what's for lunch, you know, grasping, grasping. Yeah. But more importantly in meditation is we recognize that we're thought addicts. Like instead of abiding in here to get to that space, you need to let go of thought. Thoughts are not a problem, but you cannot follow them all the time and get caught up in them because then you fall asleep to your awareness. Yeah? You could even with awareness follow a thought and do like an analytical meditation, being conscious of this. Now because you're with awareness, right? You're marinating with awareness, but you're noticing thoughts and you're following thought, right? Mm-hmm. It's better because we have this spaciousness of meditation, you could maybe just release the thought and just abide fully. Present there, but when we close our eyes and meditate, what happens? What do we usually do?
0: Stop thinking.
1: Yeah, you get caught in thinking mind, right? You follow the the thoughts. What are you looking for? What do you think it's going to get you?
0: Freedom from suffering.
1: Yeah all the things that awareness already has. <laughs> this is very difficult. This is the great non-doing. And again, just to reiterate over and over and over again, we have not been trained not to do and get something. We're trained to do, to do, you know, keep going, keep going, accumulate, accumulate, you know, get this, get this, get a partner, get a degree, get that, get that, get a house, get, it's always get, get, get. This is just the evolution. The the momentum of society get unraveling and and arriving into something we're not really accustomed to this yeah and there's nothing to post on social media right it's not like oh look at i got this and i got that or whatever it's a total negation and it's also too there's nothing for you to get to. There's no egoic satisfi- satisfying um, nature of it. There's nothing egoic in it either. And this is a whole other part. Like we would love to be like the enlightened to me. You know, Casey wants to be the enlightened Casey. But see, there's no enlightened Casey. This is recognition, like where's the I in awareness? Can you find the I in awareness? Mm-hmm. You see, there's nothing there. You know that part where Rinpoche says, now you're out of a job? Now you're out of a job, there's nothing to do? The ego hates that crap. Like, <laughs> It gets totally pissed off that it has no job to do. Remember, the ego loves to shapeshift. It loves to be the enlightened you or the spiritual you, but it hates to be annihilated. It'll freak out. What do I get to do? I had a job for so long. I thought we were friends. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, there's no ego, right? There's not even ego. This is all empty. We believe ego is just concepts, beliefs, memories, projections, age, gender, all these things that are non-existent and already, already passing by the moment that they arise, already gone. Yeah. So Vipassana, or insight, is the recognition of the wisdom of awareness. So the difference between this and shamata. so shamata is concentration. So usually when people, when you think of, of meditation, they think of concentration, you know, st- stabilization of mind. So I'm going to read a little bit from Rinpoché to hope to maybe clarify this, okay? Because there's a lot of um, subtle, and I might be imputing this, but there seems to be some confusion around what's the different difference between insight, vipassana meditation, and other schools of, of meditation, and um, what's the difference between concentration and insight. So this is one of two of, before I get into that, Rinpoche's uh, classical works, this one's called As It Is, right, which is the most beautiful instruction ever, leave everything as it is. Let everything come, let everything go. And there's a couple of volumes of this, they're collected talks. The general vehicles hold that the method of shamatha is necessary in order to abide peacefully, to counteract our tendency to constantly fabricate. The Buddha's taught us how to rely on a support. So like coming back to a support. By getting accustomed to this support, like our breath, coming back to a support, our attention becomes stabilized. The ability to remain steady. At this point, it is much easier to have pointed out the attention's nature is empty cognizance. So he says like once, you know, once his attention is centralized in one place, I could point out to you better, the emptiness of mind. But please remember that merely abiding, merely resting in the stability of Shama to practice does not guarantee the recognition of the naked state of self existing wakefulness. So he's saying what we were just talking about, the right view, just because you're stable on an object. If I put you know, a candle out in front of you, just because you had Samadhi, single point in concentration on an object, doesn't mean you're going to recognize your essence. But you're going to, that's going to be a means to an end, right? Because once we recognize that, we can hold the mind on itself. So usually the progression is meditation on an external object, meditation or shamatha on an internal object. Meditation on a subtle internal object, like thoughts. Then meditation on choiceless awareness, which we all did. Remember I invited you in the beginning just to rest in openness. And then there's meditation on true nature of mind, which we're talking about here. But in all of that, you need to be stable. You can't just be thinking about stuff, right? Or not going to be familiar with anything. (laughs) (laughs) So we need the stability, but then also we need to know where to look. And this insight is by looking at a certain thing called like ourselves, right? By looking at minding the mind. Meditation generally means paying attention. It's flavored in many different ways. But in this case, we need to train in in being free of the watcher and what is watched. In shamatha, there is an observer and an object observed. So honestly, shamatha is also training and blocking off emptiness right? because it's actually dualistic. Shamatha makes the mind used to and occupied with being quiet. Something is always maintained. That kind of state is a product of a technique. One applies a lot of effort to fabricate a certain mi- mind-made state. And any state that is a product of training is not liberation. Simply being able to remain quiet does not cause confusion to collapse. Okay. So, and he's not in any way knocking shamatha. He's, we need that. Absolutely. And then we also need insight. We need to, that other flavor. And I think this is really what Buddha, after wandering for six years and studying with these different teachers, he learned these amazing states of absorption, of meditation, meditative absorption and concentration. And he realized he never woke up to his true nature. So he was still suffering. And what he recognized is that even though he had these sublime states, once he would leave the meditation, he'd be back in delusion. It was temporary. He's said, like, well, this can't be it. And in fact, he would say, I went too far into concentration. I went too far into concentration, just like he's pointing out here, to where I was even putting emptiness at bay. Right? He was not awake. And it was only when he started to release, to release concept, you know, and, and this subject-object type of meditation, that he became stabilized in the true nature. And this is the real key to the the Vipassana of minding the mind. You know, I love sitting down with Anam Tuktum. And he just says, he sits down, he says, Where's your mind? Look at your mind. Just like if I ask you to look at a table, you could look at a table. Now mind your mind. It's very easy. Sometimes it could feel abstract. Say, mind the mind. Like, where's the mind, you know? But it's not, yeah. Just minding the mind. Okay. All right. I don't have we done on time? Let me see. How about some Q and A? Because I feel like. <laughs> Before I bring up a whole other thing, I think that's maybe a lot to bite off anyway. So would you say then animal awareness is the same as human awareness or that kind of awareness you're talking
0: about?
1: What do you mean by animal awareness? Well, you know, the way that maybe I'm projecting onto it, but, but it seems like animals are just like, a lot of times they're just being mm-hmm. compared to humans that are doing a lot more thinking, thinking,
0: mm-hmm. trying to figure out. So I'm just wondering, just mm-hmm.
1: curious. Yeah, so it's kind of hard to tell with 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 animals, but mm-hmm. what we're looking at here is not just being, because I'd be more like sham- sh- to just like being, but it's being self-aware that you're being. Yeah. So it's a self-awareness aspect. Conscious of consciousness. Mm-hmm. So so this is like if we just take the mindfulness definition, paying attention to the present moment on purpose, non-judgmentally, that's why that on purpose is in there and I, I love that's my favorite part because it gets missed. Paying attention, everybody knows that. Paying attention to what? To the present moment. Everybody knows that, be here now. Paying attention to the present moment. <laughs> Right and then everyone knows like non-judgment just be with what is let everything come and go right but people miss the on purpose Because that which is showing up When you're doing it on purpose That's what we're trying to tap into So it's not just a dog looking at a treat and saying that's my Zen master why not why not just be like the dog You put a put a treat in front of a dog that that thing just just right there you know what I mean? <laughs> Someone knocks at the door, it's like right back. Boom. You know what I mean? And you could say, That's it. Do we know that the dog's do doing that on purpose? Conscious of consciousness. I'm actually here. Right? Being aware of itself. That we don't know. But that's what we're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just a question if because this is a lot i think um could you maybe put on newsletter something suggested resources like if we want to pursue this more or something I know basic advanced, there's no such thing but um i don't
0: know are there resources you suggest and you can give it thought or
1: yeah yeah I will um things like this are difficult because i will and i think it's you know like patience of because, at least for me, and um, my resources, there's an, a lot of terminology, and that's mm-hmm. why I try to unpack it. Where because you don't need it, but it's from like the Tibetan standpoint, which I like. There. I like it because it's very experiential. Because sometimes people try to talk about this, but they they haven't experienced it. And so I really like referring things like this because I know these beings have really witnessed it. Genuinely and authentically, mm-hmm. and but therefore, you need to kind of swallow the pill of learning some new words, yeah. you know, like what's this mean and stuff. But I will do that.
0: It's just I don't
1: know. And remember, with all of this, like it's just you, like it's just this, it really is. It's just that wake, that moment of wakefulness, it's just that, you know, there's no book or teacher or anyone's going to tell you about you you know but and that with that said yes practice 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 (laughs) so yeah Yeah.
0: so you've probably already said this but uh, and it is hard to follow I'm having a hard time so I'm trying to listen with just without my mind but that's very hard to do
1: yeah
0: but so and maybe you've already explained this and I didn't get it so what is it like like when you're Meditating, or and you get to that place. What is that actually? Now I know you said it, you said it, but mm-hmm. I don't.
1: Yeah, it's not a place. You don't need to go anywhere to get it. It's just right here. So that which knows that you're awake right now. Do you know that you're here? Yeah. yeah. Do you always know that you're here?
0: Yeah.
1: No. No. <laughs> no what I mean by that is like if we sit, if we all sit here, your mind's gonna wander and you're gonna forget that you're here yeah, that. Mm-hmm. yeah so but the moment you recognize that you're here, yeah so right now because I'm asking you, you know that you're here you're awake that you're here yeah. Do you know the difference between like when you're lost and you're lost in thought and then what's that wakefulness? what's the quality of the wake- wakefulness that brought you back and that you're here? Awareness, awareness, yeah, and so like I pointed out the quality of that, right? Is that awareness? Is it calm or is it agitated? Well, what is it? It's calm. It's calm.
0: It, it reminds me of so I was just on vacation with my grandkids and my kids. Yeah. And I kept at times I would say, "Be here," so, yeah. because I wanted to be with them. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's that. Kind of thing where just I wanted to be with them in the presence
1: yeah.
0: of what we were doing or where we were.
1: Yeah.
0: So it's that same type of thing? No. I was aware, well, I was, a, my, the thought was, I didn't want to be somewhere else in my mind. I wanted to be right here with, in the pred- yeah. present. I'm going to split hairs though. Okay. Because this is
1: not a wanting or a needing <coughs> or, or thinking about a future or a past, or wanting to be with somebody, or not. You don't, this is no this is no constructive mind. This is what I say, it's too simple. So like, you're aware. That quality, is it peaceful or not?
0: Peaceful.
1: Okay. You asked what it's like to be there. That's what it's like.
0: Okay.
1: You see, you don't need me to tell you what it's like, right? Your awareness, like we're all sharing, this is the beautiful part. Like, your awareness is the same as my awareness. This is why it's ultimate truth. Like, because as soon as we put something on top of it, we're going to have a different opinion. Like, this recorder, I'm going to have a different opinion than this recorder, right? Because we have different mental relationships with it. You know, for me, it's like, I feel weird recording myself. For Don, who actually takes this and makes something out of it, it's work. He's like, darn recorder, right? And for you guys, it might be neutral or something like this. But awareness, before we put anything on top of it, we're all together. Yeah? So, and my, my desire to kind of pick that apart and everything is because we don't need to think about it. And I know it's so hard. We don't need to think about it. We don't need to say, is it like this, or do you mean it's like that? And believe me, I did a million times to all my teachers, a million, 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 million times. Stat. The badness. Yeah. I just said, don't ask questions. Any more questions? <laughs> <I was> like... <laughs> but yeah, this is what we do: clarifying it. You know.
0: So if consciousness, <clears throat> consciousness appears to be independent from thought, right? And it seems to be something that um, that might be somewhat shared, and in all things, and maybe one. Um, and this seems to be pointing at that. What's the point of, uh, hanging
1: out there? Yeah, great question. Um, I would say too that, I uh, maybe, um, you're wording for independent of thought, but, um, thoughts are rising within it. Yeah, yeah. So, the point of abiding there is kind of like we pointed out the qualities of it. How it's patient, Is this, it's this. So if, if we're not abiding there, then we're at the whim of impermanent contents of awareness. So we're at the whim of, if we're not there, that means that, means that we're leapfrogging from one thought or an emotion or a body sensation all day long. So that means that if anger comes, you're going to have to be anger. If sadness comes, you have to be, you're going to have to be sad. Right, because we're just constantly grasping. So this is non-grasping mind. You know, this is awareness.
0: So to make yourself a better person.
1: <laughs> no, it might it might not make you a better person. <laughs> you being could choose.
0: But I mean, it's um, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and
1: yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question, and I've mm-hmm. answered, I've I've asked myself myself this a lot, because when I was seeking. I had I spent a long time in seeking mind, and I was seeking enlightenment, but I had no idea what that was. It just sounded cool, so I just dedicated my life to it or whatever. And then when I noticed, when I, there was a time when I realized, through some grace of the teachers, that wasn't anything like I thought it was. And then I was thinking, yeah, why are we? Why am I doing this? One second, and then it's it's freedom. It's the ability to choose what I want to think about and what I want to let go. So, and it's a choice that I could, I could make a choice to be maybe an unpleasant person, right? But I'm not not at the whim of my karmic habituation. I have a place of refuge that's beyond my grasping mind, right? I'm self-aware, like I could follow that thought or not, but it's going to be my choice. Right? Before in delusion, when I was asleep, I'm still in sleep half the time, or more than half the time. I just follow whatever's there. I just follow it. I have There's just no say. Right? So there's no freedom in that. Yeah. And there's just one small view, you know. That's a good that, answer. That, that, but. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, um, I just feel like there's kind of a contradiction between how simple, when you talk about it, it's like, it's so simple. But it's not simple to do. It's not simple to to abide in. Um, And I guess that's sort of what makes it, you know, challenging to understand. Because it's not easy to, like, it's very easy to get caught up in your emotions, you know, and I can't let go. Like, even though intellectually I know this is not who I am, I'm still very caught up in it. Yes. Yeah. And and that's and that's very, very true. This is this state is not so hard to recognize. But pulling ourselves out of the habitual grasping mind is very difficult. And that's why like the Buddha taught eighty-four thousand teachings in support of this one teaching of non-grasping mind. That's all he taught. But it took eighty-four thousand or 83,999, I don't know who's counting that, but uh, I think it's a little made up. But, um, you know, it's it's the fact that all those other things, you know, I love how the Tibetans, they don't they don't mention so much that Buddha taught not grasping mind, it's more Theravada, but he they'd say he only taught Buddha Citta. He only taught love and compassion. That's all he taught. That's he the Tibetan, said, love and compassion, that's it. That's all Buddha taught. Because that is the quickest way to non-grasping mind, right? Love and compassion. It's, a, it's the quickest way to, to selfless, uh, selflessness. Yeah, it's love and compassion. So you're totally right. Like remembering, just to remember to do this, very difficult, right? Being able to overcome these, these really strong emotions and thoughts, very difficult. But as I've mentioned before, I love how Garchem Rinpoche says that our awareness is like a flame. It's like a flame and as those, as those contents of our awareness, thoughts and emotions go through you know, our awareness, the flame will burn them up and we could be free, we could liberate them. We could watch that thought but not follow it. I could be with you but not follow you. I'm resting in my awareness. I'm strong and I'm stable. Then a log comes, right? This is like, I lost my job, thought. And it snuffs out your flame of awareness, right? And we, we can't see out of it. Yeah, we can't see out of it. But the more times we come back to awareness, short time, many times, drip by jit fills the cup. You've heard me say that. It's from Urgen Ricochet. This is my, my mantra, right? So, an appreciation. Short time, many times, jit by jet, fills the cup. Our flame of awareness gets stronger and stronger. It's able to burn up and to see the emptiness of larger and larger sensations and emotions. Right? So we can become stable. And again, too, this is in no way pushing anything away or not experiencing or nihilism or anything like this. This is experiencing sadness fully, completely, maybe more completely than we've ever experienced sadness ever because we're experiencing actual sadness, not the sadness and I want you to go away, but just as it is, experiencing it as it is, like in a beautiful, curious way, sadness arising, sadness falling away. Sadness coming back, joy arising, right? With that non-attachment, it's not good or bad. Fully experiencing these things, right? And then also in this beautiful way, having a home base. I was telling, I think I was telling Sue the other day, I had this weird experience that something went really well. I know. <laughs> I know. It was weird. It was a f- couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, and something went really well, and I felt elation, like, for the first time in a while, just like this, like, man, that went well. It uh, I was doing a talk somewhere, and I was worried that I was going to embarrass myself, and I didn't, and I went away there <laughs> non-embarrassed, which is what I shoot for, you know? I was just like, non-embarrassed, because I don't want to go away from, like, Oh, I messed that up, or I should have said that. Mm -hmm. So I was driving away and I was not embarrassed, and I was like, oh, this feels so good. Feels so good. And I felt myself kind of way up here in this joy, you know. And then I recognized my awareness. And my awareness came to this ground. You know, and I became grounded, right? And I felt so much, even better than the joy, I felt the ground of awareness. And what I loved about it most is that this is the same place I can go to when I feel great pain. When I felt intense, intense anxiety, panic attacks, I've come back to this same ground of being. And it was even more real, like when I came down, and not in a way that I was, like didn't wanna be happy, but I was happy regardless if that situation was there or not, I came back to this place of being that was just right there. Really just came back to a home base. It was so nice, you know. All right, anybody else? Yeah. So, I kind of, you know, have been moving forward with my meditation with the idea that the whole point was to have these moments of awareness so I could
0: kind of experience them more often in my day-to-day life.
1: Is that, or is that, does that go with what you're saying? I believe so. Um, moments of awareness for sure. Yeah, we're, we're coming back to moments of awareness. Yeah, I I think that um and again I'm totally splitting hairs because in a in a mundane way like we talked about conduct conduct is like ethics, right? So we have meditation, conduct, um the you know the fruit of the practice, right view. And the conduct is very much in good and bad like we need to say, "Hey, you know, You know, going out and getting you know plastered every night, getting drunk every night is, is maybe not the wisest thing to do. I should maybe, you know, eat healthy and maybe meditate, and whatnot. Right. So this is dualism. This is duality. Yeah. So you know we need that. So like when you mentioning, I'm meditating, so I can experience these moments of awareness, in my daily life more. Like absolutely, we need that, right? And then also along with that, it's a combination of view and conduct. Along with that is that, and it's right here, right now. You know, But yes, you're totally right is that we practice meditation, let's say in a formal way. Let's say you meditate 10, 20 minutes a morning and then you bring yourself back like 10, 15 times. Your mind wanders, you wake up, you bring it back, right? And you strengthen that muscle of mindfulness. You wake up. You wake up to awareness, you wake up to that moment of freedom, you come back, you're concentrating, and then when you're in your daily life, you're more apt to come back. You know, I'm walking, I'm just walking, look at that. I'm eating, and I recognize that I'm eating. I'm listening, I'm arguing, you know? Yeah. Okay, cool. It takes effort to become effortless. And it really does. I think, you know, the Tibetans are really good at pushing, pushing, pushing for nothing to happen.
0: <laughs>
1: and they're like, you got it.
0: I think it's easier in Tibet. I think I could do it if I went to live in Tibet. I'm not sure about Long Beach. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, it's funny because I think you're right, for one. They actually have the opposite problem. You know, in, in Tibet, they're lazy. They're dull mind. So like in Tibetan, in most of the traditions, like to do your, what they call nundro, which is your preliminary practices, they make you do 100,000 of four different practices. It starts out with 100,000 prostrations. And 100,000 mantra mon, uh, mantras with visualization, you know, 100,000 guru yogas, 100,000 mandala offerings. And the reason that they put the number on it was because they're lazy. <laughs> and they wouldn't do it. They have too much time. And in the West, we're so like type A that we see the 100,000. We're like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. and they're like, let's... Don't put a number on it for the like the Americans. Like, don't put a number on it. You know what I mean? Right. out. You know what I mean? Double the Yeah, it's like the opposite. You know. So, I mean, I think because they have, I mean, maybe times have changed too, even in places like Tibet. But yeah, the the limit, the limiting of the input. We have such, which we all know this. Nothing new. So much input coming in. I love, like, when you go on retreat, it's not about people say, oh, you, you were silent for so long and everything. I said, it's, you know, it's not about the silence. It's about the limit, limiting the constant input that is just in your psyche, you know? So you need to you know, get beneath that. But that's what's cool about these practices, too, is they're extremely portable. And actually, in the chaos, it could be intense chaos, you're just aware of chaos, Right? Awareness of chaos is the same as awareness as dog barking, which is same as aware of body sensation. It's the same. Stuck in 405 traffic meditation, same. You're just awake. That wakefulness is just here. But the reminder is difficult because we're bombarded, like, all the time, like people, places, things, you know. I, I think it's interesting. I'll end with this maybe silly thing but even like craving desire like if we think of our of our times when we were like more living off the earth and whatnot, like food is an incredibly um you know powerful thing for survival like we really need to sustain ourselves with food and even driving down the street and seeing one billboard after another with like pre-made perfect meals like eat 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 <laughs> that's something that I don't think our system's really made for it's like you can have a, prepare, a prepared uh, unbelievable meal anytime so it's like this craving that's just a one example of how craving is like built into our society you know but it's just it's just interesting yeah we definitely have we have it easier in many ways and we have it way more difficult in many ways because we, we balance that with the difficult conditions of living in some of these places that are very calm and whatnot, but they're really working hard to survive, like just to survive. And it's cold and it's this and that. And we have amazing environmental conditions are incredible for meditation. It's like, never has the earth seen so, such an incredible environment for meditation where you have like roofs and air conditioning and food and refrigeration and you could just go for a week and not have to worry about survival at all. That's amazing. Okay. So let's just meditate for a moment together. set the intention that any and all of the wisdom, the insights, the compassion, the goodness, may all of it resonate throughout our beings. May it not diminish May it grow and grow. And also remembering that we're taking it with us to our families, to our communities, and setting the intention that somehow, someway, these realizations of the freedom of suffering can reach all beings. setting the intention that all beings everywhere, without exception, may they be happy and free from suffering. So much for sitting through this sometimes very abstract topic today. (laughs) I really appreciate it.
0: You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.